We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hi everyone, this is Christina and Carmen. Yes, you heard that right. This is another episode of Spooky Tales and Carmen, my twin, is here with me because MJ is still sick and Carmen, so again, great, what's the word I'm looking for? Graciously? Kindly? Graciously. Graciously. Okay, yeah. Graciously uh, stepped in as usual. (laughs) I'm also here to reclamarte porque um, you said that you're going to kick me or would you say drop me or whatever Uh, I would trip you if we need to escape a situation but you know Carmen I didn't mean it (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the real reason I came on I decided to come on today was so that we could fight (laughs) I'm just kidding you would beat me up so that we could Uh, no I don't know I think you no you're right yeah yeah yeah, you're (laughs) still (laughs) no the person we would really trip is our brother Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) moving on, moving on from that. Yeah, today I have a different episode for everyone. Instead of a scary story, I will be telling a true crime slash cult uh, story that I just recently found out about. And I'm like, I feel like I should have known about it because of where the Mm -hmm. main like place, the main place of the cult is at like where it's located Mm -hmm. um so yeah um, i will be talking about the lldm cult la luz del mundo is the name of the um i guess religion and you know i guess like to preface like not all religions are cults i respectfully disagree yeah i i was saying that like i oh for the people out there that are yeah. religious you're not in a cult you you can be part of your religious organization without it being a cult cult you know they all have little culty vibes to it you can still i don't know praise jesus or follow jesus i'm not saying every religion is a cult in this episode but when you finish hearing about this lldm religion and you say it's not a cult then i don't know what to tell you <laughs> like if you say it's not a cult after hearing this episode i mean you're in the cult, if you say that. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But I guess um, before we start, do you know the things that characterize a cult, Carmen? I know there's like a level of control, manipulation involved with it. People end up like cutting off their families and friends that aren't like not part of the cults. Their whole world mm-hmm. becomes cults. I know that there's like specific language to cults like they'll use terms to kind of create an identity and also like isolate you from others yes yes and yes yeah all of that yeah this and i don't know why i didn't write down the guy's name but in the 1980s he like he studied cults and he came up with these three characteristics of, a, of what makes up a cult and so the first one a charismatic leader who incre- increasingly becomes an object of worship oh, i forgot that part <laughs> The, the biggest one, right? You need a cult leader. <laughs> yes, yeah, you do. Uh, and this uh, charismatic leader increasingly becomes an object of worship as the general principles that may have originally sustained the group lose power. It's a living leader who has no meaningful accountability and becomes the single most defining element of the group and its source of power and authority. Right. So that's number one. Number two, 
there's a process of indoctrination or education that's in use that can be seen as coercive persuasion or like thought reform, which thought reform is brainwashing. And then number three, there's an economic, sexual or other exploitation of group members by the leader or the ruling people of the cult. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, those three things are like a cult cult, right? But there's also these like warning signs of potential unsafe groups that are like, hey, this might be a cult and you need to watch out for these things. And those are absolute authority, uh, <laughs> authoritarianism. Sorry, I can't say this word. Authoritarianism. No, authoritarianism. authoritarianism. Yes, yes. Okay, so absolute authoritarianism without meaningful accountability, which is like very similar to number one. Mm -hmm. So number two of that list, no tolerance for questions or critical injury, no meaningful financial disclosure regarding budget or expenses, unreasonable fear about the outside world, uh, like an impending catastrophe, evil Mm -hmm. conspiracies, persecutions. The end days. Yeah. Or if you don't believe in this one true church, then you're all going to hell. There's no legitimate reason to leave. Former followers are always wrong in leaving or even evil. Former members often relate the same stories of abuse or a similar pattern of grievances. There are records, books, news articles, or reports that document the abuses of the group or leader. Followers feel that they can never be good enough. The group leader is always right. The group leader is the exclusive means of knowing the truth or receiving validation. No other process of discovery is acceptable or credible. Yeah, those are the the big ones. So yeah, keep keep all those in mind when you are hearing about La Luz del Mundo. So as far as religions go, La Luz del Mundo is very new. Its full name is Iglesia del Dios Vivo, Columna y Apoyo de la Verdad, La Luz del Mundo. (laughs) Oh, God. What the hell? And that translates to the Church of the Living God, Pillar and Ground of the Truth, the Light of the World. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Had you heard of this before? No. Okay. I hadn't either. And their main place is in Guadalajara. I'm like, surely we've passed by the temple. It's huge. Hmm. Maybe I thought it was a regular Catholic temple. Right? Well, it looks weird if oh. you look at it. And then they have a bunch of like offices and or not offices, congregations in California. Really? Yeah, California, Texas are like the biggest biggest uh, congregations outside of Guadalajara. So the religion was founded in 1926 in Mexico, and it's classified as a restorationist religion. What does that mean? I was about to tell you. Perfect. (laughs) So it follows Christianity the way that the 12 apostles did. It's a purer and more ancient form of Christianity. So Pentecostal religions. Oh, I was going to say one would say fundamental. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it falls under. Yeah. So this is Pentecostal religions, the FLDS. So those all all fall under Restorationist Christianity or Fundamental Christianity. So it was founded in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. No, sorry, that's not where it was founded. That's where the main church is at. Mm -hmm. It has a huge presence in California. There's at least 50 temples in total, and a lot of them are in Southern California. They have followers in 58 countries with the majority being in Mexico, they claim to have a million followers in Mexico. And if that were true, it would make it the second largest religious movement, second only to Catholicism. 
However, sounds fake. Yes, these numbers are disputed by former members because they've been told since the 90s and 2000s that there's like 5 million members worldwide. But a lot of these culty religions or cults inflate numbers to make it seem bigger, to make it seem like, oh, you're part of the most important religion. We have so many followers. Yeah. And in reality, according to the latest Mexican census, there was 200,000 LLDM members in Mexico, and a lot of them were children. Because children are born to, into the religion. Right, right. So it's near San Juan de Dios. We had to have seen it. Yeah. In the past. But I don't remember seeing it. Because it's so unique looking. So I feel exactly. like we would have seen it or we would have remembered seeing it. But not yeah. as, I guess not if you're like specifically looking for it either, right? I don't know. True, true. But yeah, it's a huge, huge building. And it's white. I looked up the pictures, yeah. I know, yeah. It has like a very modern look to it when compared to like cathedrals. Yeah. And yeah, in my notes after this, I wrote like, I had no idea this existed, which I already said like five times. But yeah, I just feel like we should have known that it existed. I was scrolling TikTok and someone posted a TikTok about escaping the cult. And she starts out like, this is my story about how I was born into this cult and I escaped. And then she goes into talking about how she attended church in California, was born into this cult. And she realized it was a cult when she traveled to the main church in Guadalajara for a ceremony for the leader's birthday. And so I'm going to get into her story later. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the origin of La Luz del Mundo first. But that is how I found out about La Luz del Mundo, scrolling this girl's TikTok. Um... Well, scrolling TikTok and then her video popped up. So, but I, and I'm going to share what she shares in a bit. But first, the origin of the church. So the founder of La Luz del Mundo was Eusebio Joaquin Gonzalez. He was born August 14th, 1896. A so Leo. he's a Leo. <laughs> they say that. Actually, not really say that. <laughs> what? They say that Leos are cult leaders or yeah. what? <laughs> the majority of cult leaders are actually Leos. No, Did no, you know? don't quote me. <laughs> Did you know? I'm just kidding. We made that up. (laughs) But, like, if you look at the personality traits of a Leo. Yeah. Not that I believe in astrology. Not that I'm even that into it. Not that I'm a cult leader. (laughs) But you and I could be cult leaders. In 1896, in Colotlan, Jalisco, Mexico, he joined the Constitutional Army during the Mexican Revolution. This was a group that fought against the Federal Army of Mexico. And the Federal Army was the army of President Porfirio Diaz. Uh, at 24 in 1920, Eusebio Joaquin Gonzalez was on leave. He met his future wife. Uh, and then in 1926, he met two preachers of the Iglesia Cristiana Espiritual, the spiritual Christian church. And this was an ev- evangelist church in mexico and i, I want to say it's like the first one i didn't know the word but yes you're oh, right okay. <laughs> i know this because i'm deeply entrenched in the fundy snark community and there's also you are in, yeah in, in, oh my god i just literally just said the word Invangel- invent evangelical me? evangelical snark separately apart from because fundamentalism and evangel evangelical whatever is different Oh, but it's not, is evangelicalism not a... They're not fundamentalists. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it's like saying Mormons are not fundamentalists, but the FLDS is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
This was uh, the evangelical church of the time, and the teachings of Saulo and Silas, the two preachers that he met, forbade followers from keeping good hygiene. What the fuck? Or wearing normal clothes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think they follow these rules anymore, um, FYI. But I think the church is still around, but with a different name now. So he was baptized by Saulo and Silas, left the army, and Eusebio Joaquin Gonzalez and his wife Elisa Flores became domestic workers for the two preachers. And just to put this period into context, it was a rough time for Mexico. The country was recovering from the revolution. And the president, uh, Plutarco Elias Calles, he was the president from 1924 to 1928. He further spread instability. He was seeking to limit the power of the Catholic Church. And in protest, the Catholic Church made the decision to cease all religious services. This caused an uproar and an uprising followed. And that was known as the Cristero War. So the Cristero War lasted from 1926 to 1929, and then it started back up again for a little bit in the 1930s. Of course, the Catholic Church couldn't just be chill. No, right? Assholes. We should cover that on Estados Unidos, the Cristero War. Mm -hmm. So it was during this time of turmoil in 1926 that Eusebio Joaquin Gonzalez had a vision. He claims that God changed his name from Eusebio to Aaron during this vision. God told him to leave Monterrey, where Eusebio and Elisa lived and served the two preachers. So he and his wife left and he began preaching outside of Catholic churches. But he was not welcome at most of these churches. And then he arrived in Guadalajara on December 12, 1926. But because of the Cristero War, it was a very hostile environment. And so that vision, that moment is the beginning of the La Luz de... What? La Luz del Mundo. Mm-hmm. Very much like, uh, I don't know, Mormonism, like where they're all like a certain religion. Then he gets a vision about like, oh, this is the one true word of God, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Eusebio Joaquin Gonzalez worked as a shoe vendor and he continued preaching. Eventually, he gained 10 worshipers and they would congregate at his and his wife's apartment. It was there that uh, he named his wife Elisa Flores and another woman the first deaconesses of the church. Though deaconess was not like a rank that the church would later continue because women couldn't hold ranks like that. Because they had, I was going to say, because they had to uphold the patriarchy. Yes, exactly. And so, but this was like the beginning of the church's hierarchy, basically. So throughout this time, Aaron, his name is now Aaron. So during this time, Aaron Joaquin traveled through different states, preaching and building the church. Soon, there were 14 congregations. They only met in rural areas due to complaints from Catholics. Because um, Catholics were like, this is not a real religion, blah, 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 right? This is blasphemy. Yeah. <laughs> So, in 1931, they met for their first Holy Supper, which would then become a yearly event held on August 14th, the birthday of Aaron Joaquin, which is weird because they're not supposed to celebrate birthday. I've heard of so many other cults that they're not allowed to celebrate holidays or birthdays, but of course, it's an exception for the cult leader. Yes, yeah. So in 1934, the first temple would be built in Guadalajara. Church members were highly encouraged to buy homes near this temple, and they did. They created a community of only church members. It is now no longer 
solely a community of the church, but there's one street that they all live on, like to this day still. Oh, wow. And if that's not culty, then I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This temple was registered as a spiritual Christian church, the church that Aaron was baptized into by Saulo and Silas. But Aaron Joaquin claimed to have been told by God that the church was the light of the world and they were now La Iglesia del Dios Vivo, Columna y Apoyo de la Verdad. I cannot with this fucking name. Church of the Living God, Pillar and Ground of the Truth. And from then on, they would go by La Luz del Mundo. Though it wasn't until 1936 that they would officially branch off from the Evangelical Spiritual Christian Church. Uh, So the head of the spiritual Christian church felt that the doctrine that Aaron Joaquin was preaching was too strict. And this led to a big split in the church in 1942. Many pastors believed that Aaron Joaquin had become corrupt. And this was way back in 1942. So he was celebrating his birthday, accepting flowers, enjoying a lavish life at the expense of the church. But worst of all, he was accused of immoral acts with young women. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and this is the leader of the the first like creation of this church. And it's already like uh, problematic, right? So he had a known affair with a young woman named Guadalupe Avelar and had an illegitimate son with her. Was she 15? She might have been. I couldn't find her age. Oh, okay. But but it says young woman. Yeah. So she was definitely underage at this time. In the LLDM, this was framed as happening due to jealousy and the departed members wanted to create their own church for power. So they weren't real followers of God, right? And because of that, they they basically denounced all these claims and like, oh, these people just want power. That's why they're lying about this. Um, which is, hey, one of those signs that we mentioned in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the departed church members was the man who had baptized Aaron Joaquin. And because he was one of the people that left and he was no longer a legitimate member of the church, Aaron Joaquin claimed he had a vision in which God told him he was to rebaptize himself in the name of Jesus and that anyone who was not rebaptized by him would be excommunicated. Oh, hey, another sign. (laughs) (laughs) So his this vision made it so that Aaron Joaquin was the sole authority over baptisms and he was able to consolidate power and leadership in the LLDM. Aaron Joaquin had eight children and the youngest of these children was Samuel Joaquin. After the death of Aaron Joaquin, he would go on to lead the LLDM at the young age of 27. And he was instrumental in spreading the church to Costa Rica, Colombia, Guatemala, uh, El Salvador, like other countries. Oh, wow. And by the time of Samuel Joaquin's death, the church was present in 50 countries. Samuel Joaquin died on December 14th, 2014. And it was then that Nason Joaquin, his fifth son, Samuel Joaquin's fifth son, uh, so it, it was then that Nason Joaquin became the leader of the LLDM. And Nason Joaquin was born on May 7, 1969. And under his leadership, the church gained a following in eight more countries. And I'm going to go a little bit more into Nason later. Okay. So sorry, there's a lot to like the history and organization of this church that I want to lay down before getting into the shit they've done. <laughs> Makes sense. So the organization of the LLDM, it's hierarchical with Nason Joaquin at the top. 
He's both the spiritual and administrative leader. Below him are pastors who are expected to have the qualities of a doctor, prophet, and evangelist. And I'm going to define each one of those. So evangelists, they're expected to take on missions. As doctors, they're expected to explain the word of God. And as prophets, they interpret the word of God. And pastors can have one or all three qualities. After pastors are deacons, and deacons are the ones that administer sacraments to members. And then after the deacons are encargados, or managers, and they are responsible for the moral conduct of certain groups in the church. Sounds not good. Yeah. (laughs) And they also grant permits to members that wish to take vacations or jobs that fall outside of the church district. So they need permission to leave. And the encargados grant that permission. Very controlling vibes here. Right. Below encargados are obreros or laborers, and they assist the higher ups in missionary work. So the LLDM believes that there was no salvation on earth between the death of the last apostle, John, and Aaron Joaquin in 1926. Uh, After the founding of the church by Jesus Christ, and after the death of his last apostle, the religion became corrupt, thus announcing that all other religion is corrupt, um, which is a big thing for, like, I think all evangelical churches, I'm assuming, and Mormonism and all of those. I, that sounds more like of a, a fundamentalist thing, because that's why oh. they, they go back to the fundamentals of when religion, okay. whatever religion first started, because they think it later on became corrupt. Okay, so that's what this is then, yeah. yeah. So through Aaron Joaquin, the church was restored. Uh, Salvation can only be achieved by following the Bible based on the teachings of their leaders. Leaders are directly chosen by God to preach the will of God. And even though leaders after Aaron Joaquin have all been his own children, the LLDM maintains that the succession of leaders is not by kinship, but by God, directly chosen by God. But they've all been his children. (laughs) Wow, shocking. What a shocking turn of events. Right? So the LLDM is the one true church because it is led by Nason Joaquin, who is the one and only true servant and apostle of God. Salvation can only be achieved through the prophet. And again, the prophet is Nason Joaquin. In the LLDM, worship is only for God. There's no images inside, no saints, no crosses. It's plain white inside and outside of the church. They hold three daily prayer meetings. The first one's at 5 a.m. I'm like, what? That's too early for anything. Oh, but it's not like mandatory, right? Or is it? Uh, Yeah, they take note of who's there and who's not. Okay, because another thing a lot of cults do is deprive their members of sleep. <gasps> yes, I've heard of that. Yeah. Here's another sign. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> there's another one at 9 a.m. And then there's one in the evening. And the one in the evening is very short. But the end of it is dedicated to the prophet. So they sing songs to the prophet specifically. But everyone has to go to each of these services. It's not like, you know, when you're Catholic, you can go to Misa. And there's different times of Misa. But, you you know, you go to the one that fits best with your schedule. Um. So everyone is encouraged to go to all three Although the 9 a.m. one is basically just for women because they're not working. They're at home. Uh, I see. Yeah. So they take note of who's there and who's not. But it's not quote unquote forced. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But if you're not there, they will let you know about it. (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. So during service, men and women are seated separately. That's how Mormons are too. Really? I didn't know that. Women on the left and men on the right. And this is from the preacher's perspective. During service, women cover their head with a veil. There's no music played, although songs are sung in unison, a cappella style. Uh, members can only marry members within the church. There's no dancing, no smoking, no going to the movie theater. Uh, like, and that was added on by Nason Joaquin during a vision. Like, that was a new rule added on. They do that so that people are not influenced by the media and stuff. Okay. A lot of the fundamentalist religions are like that, where they can't listen to, like, regular, like, pop music, only, like, religious music. Um, remember having friends growing up that they couldn't, like, read Harry Potter, and they were, like, yeah. the friends that wore, the, like, the really long skirts, and you're like, why are you wearing that? Yeah, I think that's, like, Pentecostal. Oh, that was, uh, that was big in Oakland. I, th- I think it's big everywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I remember seeing people dressed like that, like, as a kid, and I guess high school, too. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt bad because they couldn't celebrate Halloween. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, the one I felt the worst about, because I'm like, we're, like, everyone's going over there sharing their candy and shit and what, what they were dressing up as, um, and, like, they were just, like, missing out. I don't remember right, but, oh, no, no, it's Jehovah Witnesses. They can't celebrate their birthdays. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of these, like, really limit what you can and can't do. So when you think about, because, like, I always thought, like, growing up Catholicism, I was like, man, they really, like, have all these rules and, like... I thought it was strict and controlling. But <laughs> then but you then you look at... These other religions, yeah. And you're like, wow, Catholicism's actually... <laughs> pro- well, progressive? Like, <laughs> a lot of evangelicals and fundamentalist Christians don't consider catholics as like real a real religion because of how more how much more freeing it is yeah catholicism is corrupt yeah so yeah women have a very strict dress code compared to men so men can have facial hair and i found a video of a former member like sharing why they can't have facial hair and he said that in their congregation they were told they would look too much like muslims Oh, wow. That's what they were told. <laughs> but each congregation is told something a little bit different because I, I can't imagine that they're all saying, like, you're going to look like a Muslim, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they can't have beards. They can't have long hair and they have to always wear pants. They can't wear shorts. That's it for men. For women, starting at age 13, they have to wear long skirts. They have to wear veils while praying, either at church or at home. Makeup is discouraged. Uh, and this is dependent on location, but a lot of places don't want any makeup. They uh, cannot wear pants. Um, they can't have any cleavage visible. They can't have short hair. And uh, they can't have friends outside of the church. It's discouraged. So this is easier to control. Yeah, this is easier to control in Mexico. A lot of the church members live in the same community. But in the mm-hmm. United States, a lot of the members attend public high school. And so what the mm-hmm. members are told is like, those are not your real friends. Those are acquaintances. And that's what they tell them. Like, those are just acquaintances and you need to try and convert them. I was going to say, that's the thing I, when I go on Funday Snark and people that grew up fundamentalists um, will say that they were encouraged to try to convert their friends. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, that you can't, you can't even have a real childhood at that point. Yeah. Or at any point, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, the following, I, I, 
watched the video on a former member just saying some of the things that they used to do. Some members don't say hi to each other. Uh, they say, la luz del señor. No one says thank you. They say, Dios te pague. Uh, and then they have like a special handshake that they kiss the back of the hand when they're saying hi to each other. And special greetings, like things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and um, for those of you that are not watching because we're not recording video, Carmen kissed the back of her hand. <laughs> If someone leaves the church, then the rest of the members shun them because they have joined the devil. They have only left to sin. They're evil now. Members that have left said that they have been cut off from family members, have been divorced, have been kicked out of their homes. And uh, so the people that remain at the church, they're told that those who leave are sick. They're deceased. Uh, they're full of like gangrene. Oh, wow. Yeah. They are the devil. You have to cut ties with them. And it's like, it doesn't matter if it's your child, your sibling, your spouse. That's, yeah, that's like cult 101 right there. Yeah. Uh, members are to give 10% of their income to the church. And some congregations post who's who's completed the 10%. And, and it's to shame those who have not. Wow. So that's another like, ugh. Pursuit of higher education is encouraged, so they don't limit oh, that factor. I was going to guess discouraged. No, no. Encouraged, but only because whatever education or career that person is pursuing is going to serve the church later. Oh. So, like, they encourage their members to get into accounting so they can come back and account do accounting for the church. Mm -hmm. Things like that. At age 14, kids have to get in front of the congregation and proclaim that they will continue going to church and then they're baptized again. And they have to go up there, thank the pastor, the apostle, and it's like a presentation. And they're like walked up there with their parents. And at the end, everyone prays for them like in unison. But if they don't do this, if this doesn't happen, then they will not be saved. So if a child dies before age 14, they are going to go to hell because they didn't get to do this thing at 14. They don't do it posthumously or whatever no. the word is. No. And then the parents of that child are then responsible. Mormons do. Oh, they do? Okay. Well, that's good at least because like... No, no. But then they, con oh. they convert um, people that are not like Mormons and were not Mormon during their lives. They convert them posthumously and they go to their graves and... <laughs> whatever oh okay it's a, wow it's a whole thing. wow yeah. i did not know that okay so <laughs> wow um these are called oh no no so that's one ceremony at 14 but then later on when they're like adults there's this thing called the revival and these are like intense religious experiences they happen once or twice a year the goal of these revivals is for the person to end up speaking in tongues. Mm. And because they end up speaking in tongues, then they have received the true word of God. These revivals last from three to seven days, although in some congregations, they last up to two weeks. So during wow. these days, the evening service doesn't happen. Members seeking revival have to sit in the front of the church on the floor, self-reflecting and praying until like, they receive the word of God and like there's a 30 minute sermon that happens. And, and then after that, like you just wait there until like revival happens and it can last hours. Like the person whose video I was watching, he was there from like 3 PM to like 11 PM. And he was like, I don't know if revival happened. Like, I don't, I don't know. Oh, and wow. he, and then 
the pastors are walking around writing like, okay, this person did it, this person did it, this person did it. And then at the end of the revivals, um, then they announce like who did it and who who did it and they have them up at the front of the church like these people have achieved revival and so you can see who who was trying during those days because everyone is present when this is happening and so they can see who was trying and then who's not up at stage right and so if you haven't completed this revival and you like i don't know die then you're also damned you're not saved and so this is a thing that has to happen and when they're up at on stage and they can see who didn't complete a revival, then they're like, oh, something's wrong with that person. It's like to shame who didn't achieve revival. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to get into um, the things they've done wrong, the crimes and and all that. So, well, I'm going to start with Nason, a little bit of uh, Nason Joaquin, the current leader of the LLDM. Uh, so the church was always strict and like a little culty. Um, but it seems that under the leadership of Nason Joaquin, it has worsened. The TikTok account that I came across that introduced me to this cult, her account is Sara.Manjares. And she has like a seven-part series on this. I definitely recommend watching her videos. But she she starts out saying like, this is the story of how I was born and raised in this cult. And this is what it took me to leave the cult. And in one of her videos, she mentions going to um, an event in Guadalajara for Nason Joaquin's birthday. And um, she shows clips of it. And so everyone's dressed in all white. And then they're uh, chanting things like, Nason uh, Joaquin, jubilo cuenta, he will, he will save us. And this isn't the, the tune to like, he will, he will save us. It's how they're singing it. But they're like saying his name. Yeah. And then yeah. another one um, that, they, that she recorded is that they're saying, um, Para subir al cielo se necesita, se necesita mi padre nazón, a mi padre nazón, el número uno, el número uno por ti seré. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, and that was to the tune of La Bamba, right? Or what is that? No, not yes. La Bamba. Oh, it is La Bamba. It? <laughs> I don't know what song. Yeah, whatever yeah, popular song. Yeah, it is. And um, yeah. <laughs> For the non-Spanish um, speaking listeners, that was... Um, Everyone knows that song. Yeah, but I'm going to translate what they said. So, oh, my bad. To go up to heaven, we need our father, Nason, <laughs> the number one. For you, I will be. It's my father, Nason, Joaquin. But in the tune of La Bamba. <laughs> but yes, in the tune of La Bamba. In the wow. tune of La Bamba. Oh, your, your face as I was like saying it, you're like, that's, la, that's the fucking Bamba. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whew. okay so um and again you're not supposed to uphold someone in this manner right like <laughs> yeah that's wild yeah damn it stuck in my head now i'm sorry um and so during events like this members are told to put their phones away and what they're told is that like you need to put them away so that you're in the moment but sara manjares is like i think i was told to put it away so that i wouldn't be capturing these wild, crazy moments. And I'm That's glad I captured right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, That's I'm glad that I, in. yeah. She's like, I'm glad that I recorded this because no one would have believed the chants that they were saying. Yeah. And she caught them on video. So yeah, very, very culty chants. And so I am going to give a trigger warning now because the this involves sexual abuse and sexual abuse of minors 
um, and rape. So if that is something you cannot listen to, then just skip the rest of this because that is the crimes that the LLDM leaders are accused of. So Nason Joaquin, the current prophet of the LLDM, he is in prison right now. Oh. Yeah, he was actually, he just pleaded guilty in, um, in June. Oh, very recent. Yes. Wait, June this yeah. last month? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But uh, before going into the crimes of Nason Joaquin, I do want to detail the alleged crimes of Samuel Joaquin, his father. So without going into the worst church scandals first, one thing that is just very hypocritical is the wealth that the Joaquin family has accumulated since starting the church. They've got millions of dollars in homes in the United States. Sorry, this reminds me of the Creed quote from um, The Office when he says that he's been in in a cult as a leader and a follower. And he's like, um, I think he said you make more money as a cult leader, but... You have more like fun that. as a follower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they have a private 343-acre exotic animal park in Texas. What the hell? Yeah. And the exotic animal park was valued at $4.1 million in 2019. And next to wow. that animal park, there's a museum full of restored vintage cars that's also theirs. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a church spokesperson has said that the ranch is divided into a federally registered nonprofit wildlife refugee refuge refuge yeah and a private zoo so the nonprofit portion is funded by church members in texas and the private zoo is funded by businesses owned by the joaquin family which includes a travel agency in mexico i'm just like what the fuck (laughs) yeah and nason joaquin has allegedly spent a hundred thousand dollars in one day at one store in beverly hills and he travels around in a private jet (laughs) Oh, my God. Of course he does. Mm-hmm. When Nason Joaquin was arrested, he was found with $200,000 in cash and a lot of gold. And uh, surely this is what God wanted of his prophet, right? Um, clearly. The Joaquin family is said to own $7.3 million in property across the United States, which, like... You said $7.3 million, yeah. $3 million? Mm-hmm. Wow. Clearly, we're in the wrong business, and we need to become cult leaders. Clearly, we need, yes. That's where the money's at. Yeah. Um, now on to some of the worst things that they've done. So since its inception, the church has been looked at by outsiders as a cult, especially in Mexico. Like, everyone calls it a cult, uh, especially the Catholics. <laughs> so... In 1998, one L.A. Times reporter wrote a paper on them or a report on them, whatever you call that article. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And again, this was in 1998. And so she wrote the following description of worship about Samuel Joaquin. And so she wrote, they are expecting their Moses. Thousands of worshipers break into chest heaving sobs. Others fiercely wave white handkerchiefs and cry out, glory to, glory to Christ, Samuel Joaquin has arrived. So, yeah. Um, I don't even know. No words. Name. No words. Yeah. Fucking weird. Yes. And when the Heaven Gate's mass suicide occurred, I'm sure you've heard of Heaven's Gate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another cult, uh, which I just don't have time to get into. 
But um, when they their mass suicide occurred, uh, TV Azteca and TV Azteca is a news is a channel in Mexico, and they during one of their news shows, um, they spoke to Jorge uh, Graham, and he's a theologian, an author, and a member of uh, an anti cult anti cult uh, sorry a member of the anti cult Christian Institute of Mexico. And so he just, he was there to kind of like outline how he believes that LLDM is a cult. And in this, um, during this uh, interview, he said that he truly believes that members of the LLDM would do the same as the Heaven's Gate members if Samuel Joaquin asked them of it. Um, So, and obviously he never did, but he believes that if the LLDM members were asked to do the, the same commit mass suicide that they would do it yeah wow um and by 2010 the llDM has been accused of had been accused of sexual abuse holding orgies and having political ties to the Mexican political party el pri wow mm-hmm. and why do cults always have orgies I don't understand that yeah I've only ever covered <laughs> one cult in the patreon I talked about this crime that happened in a tiny little village in Mexico where two brothers and a woman basically create a cult out of this poor town. Uh, they manipulate everyone, but they also held orgies. What was it called? Um, I guess I should become a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, Carmen. No. Hold on. I will tell you. <laughs> wow. I can't remember her name. It's fine. It doesn't matter. I, I'll tell you later. But if you're a Patreon, you've already heard the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the point was that they also had orgies anyway so um at the time of Maybe that like a vulnerability huh? thing yeah Sorry. so that community well i guess i'll tell you about that cult later because um okay. yeah that's a whole another episode obviously because i've already made it <laughs> <laughs> no i mean in general cults and orgies yeah because oh, of the vulnerability yeah. aspect of um, yeah it, or maybe like for blackmail purposes <laughs> something right i don't know yeah in the LA Times article, um, there's also mention of a woman who has accused Samuel, Samuel Joaquin of uh, sexual abuse. So when the article came out, she was 31. So she would be 55 now. And at the time of the incident, she was 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was invited to Sam- Samuel Joaquin's home and his assistant took her to him and he was in bed and asked her and he asked her to help him get rid of his headache and she was 11 at the time so she was like how oh i have God. no medicine and it was then that joaquin mm-hmm, and his assistant grabbed her pinned her down and he raped her and she was 11 and the, sorry did you say the assistant was a woman yeah she was or did i oh, okay she was disgusting very um very and- very with jordan enough well oh my god I missed warren jeffs <laughs> I said Jeff Jordan. <laughs> Very Jeff Warren vibes is what I was trying to say. Yes, yeah. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I did mention it in my last episode, but what is it called? Keep Sweet? Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey or something like it's that. It's the Netflix documentary on Warren Jeffs. Jeff Warren's? What's his name? Fuck. Jeff Warren's. <laughs> my bad. I think I just did the same no, thing. No, no, what I said at first. No, you, no. you said it normally. Oh, I said okay. with Jordan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's worse. Oh, my God. Okay, oh my so, God. so yeah, very similar to that. 
And she was told not to say a word or God would punish her. And it wasn't until 1998 that she did come forward to the Religious Affairs Department in Mexico, who then passed it on to a prosecutor. Three others came forward with her with similar accusations. Wow. Same age. Mm -hmm. This is Nason Joaquin's father, Samuel Joaquin, Mm -hmm. in 1998. Wow. Sadly, these accusations did not move forward because of the statute of limitations. After those four accusations, another former member, Moises Padilla Iniques, sorry, Inico, Ini, it's an Enya. Iniques? It's an Enya. It's a oh. Iniques. Sorry, it's hard to say. Okay. It is. Because <laughs> it's not an N. Yeah. He came forward and said that Samuel Joaquin abused him when he was a teen. After coming forward in February 1998, Padilla was beaten by men who threatened him and told him to stop denouncing the church leader. Wow. He didn't stop. He continued to tell his story. He was then kidnapped and stabbed 57 times by two men. Oh my God. And he blames the church for both attacks. No one was charged for anything for this. And Padilla and his leaders believe it's because it's because of the church's political ties. To- El Pri. Pri. Mm-hmm. And that is all just about Samuel Joaquin. And may I remind you again that Nason Joaquin is currently in jail. The current leader of the LLDM. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about Nason Joaquin and his crimes. So on June 14th, 2019, Nason Joaquin was arrested by the California Bureau of, of Investigations. He was arrested with Susana Medina Oaxaca and then a, another third co-defendant, Alondra Ocampo, was arrested in Los Angeles County. And then another fourth co-defendant is on the run. Her name is Asiela Rangel Melendez. Wow, she's on the run? Yeah, and she has not yet been found. All four of them were named in the um, claim. I think that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. The crime, I don't know, the paper that is accusing the complaints? them. Complaints, yes. Thank you. <laughs> so You're Nason and Susana Medina Oaxaca were arrested when their flight landed uh, at LAX. They um, he faces twenty six felonies, including human trafficking, production of twenty six tra- felonies. Yeah, human mm-hmm. trafficking. Human trafficking. Okay, no, it's fine. Production of child pornography, which I know is not. Oh God. A- yeah, because there's an. Is there another term you know for what? that? Because I've heard, like... Oh, child abuse sex material. Yes. No, child sex abuse material. So, thank you. I'm going to say right? that instead. Child yeah, child I knew, sex abuse Yeah, I knew there was another term for it. Because essentially, it can't be pornography because ch- children cannot consent. Yes. So, yeah. what is it again? Child sex abuse material. Okay. So, Something yes. Like that. Production of child sex abuse material, rape of a minor, and extortion. These are just... Some of the 26 counts against him. His bail was originally set to 50 million, which at the time is the highest bail ever in California for a person. Say again, how much? 50 million. Oh, wow. But he was then denied bail because the judge feared that members of the LLDM would raise that money. Oh, yeah. I was going to say the church had that no problem. And he he has a jet, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Risk flight. Exactly. So he was denied bail for that reason. And then after that, the charges were dropped due to a clerical error. 
<gasps> then they were refiled. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, like I was just what a you mess. Can't mess with me like that. <laughs> I, mean, I know. <laughs> so, um Alondra Campos, she pleaded guilty to four counts of sexual abuse of minors, and this was in October 13, 2020. She alleges that Nason Joaquin's father, Samuel Joaquin, raped her when she was eight, and she suffered years of abuse under him. And then Nason did the same when he was an adult. And so then she was a groomer for him in Guadalajara. And it's not to excuse what she has done right but a lot of people that become groomers for abusers it's very common Mm -hmm. yeah were abused themselves Mm -hmm. the crimes against nason joaquin the ones in on paper right because there's probably more but they took place between 2015 and 2018 so they lured girls into nason's inner circle you know they used the trust that they had in him and the church and they took and he took advantage of them there's a it's a 26 page complaint and it contains five Jane Doe's and there's every detail of the charge. I'm not going to share them. They're fucking horrible. Oh God. I read all of it uh, and I just don't want to put that on other people because it's truly horrific. The things that where did you find it? I, I can send you the link. Send it to me. It's online. Yeah, but very horrible. The things that they've done, they did to these girls. So among the five Jane Doe's is Nason's niece. Mm, And these girls were told that it was God's will what was happening to them. And they would be damned to hell if they did not please Nason Joaquin. I'm just I'm just tired of like people like this, men like this. It's usually men. Oh, yeah. No regrets saying that. Um, Yeah. With the assistance of brainwashed women. Yeah. The FLDS group that Jeff Warren led, as well, and his father was the same, Rulong Jeff. Yes. Why would God command you to sexually abuse minors? Like, in what world? Why? Right, you know? exactly. Like, he won't, he won't do anything about uh, uh, poverty or, um, I don't know, other things. But he'll he, he's commanding you to mm-hmm. rape little girls. Okay. Yeah, right. It makes no sense. The fuck? It's all for power. And abuse. And, ugh, it's disgusting. It truly is disgusting. So they, if they went against the desires of the prophet, then they would be going against the desires of God. They were told that their abuse was a blessing. And obviously they, they believed oh it God. for years, right? Because yeah. that's what they were born into. This way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they finally came out, they were ostracized by their communities and their families for bringing the charges against Nason. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like the common story of like these kind of religions yeah. and cults, really. Mm-hmm. They're not. Yeah. There are other survivors that were not part of these charges that have also come forward and said that they were mistreated by family members uh, for their accusations. One of them is Francisco Espinosa. So he alleges, and again, I have to say alleged because he's not. Found, he has not been found guilty of this crime, right? Okay. So Francisco Espinosa alleges that he was abused by Nason Joaquin when he was 24. And he said, I kept quiet for many years. And when I decided to speak, they said that the devil had gotten into me, even my parents. He's now 36. Oh yeah. Another woman, Sochil Martin, she has her own lawsuit against Nason um, and she said that her this plea de- oh did I not mention the plea deal yet? 
Mm, I don't remember. I don't think so. Oh, I put this in the wrong place. That's why. <laughs> My bad. So, so let me go over to this paragraph before I mention what she says about the plea deals. So on June 3rd, 2022, Nason Joaquin pled guilty. He took a plea deal that forced him to admit to three counts of the 26. Two counts were oh, no. of forcible oral copulation involving minors and one oh, count of a lewd act upon a child who was 15 years old. In this plea deal, he received a sentence of guess. Uh, can you give me like a ballpark so I can guess? Yeah, not a lot. Is it, is it too little? It's too little. Okay, to five me. years? Oh, it's not that little. Okay, <sighs> 10 years. Close, close, yeah. 16. 16 years and eight months. Oh my God. Well, wow. Yeah, and so, and the plea deal is, is only, he only had to admit to three of the 26 counts. Like, like what the fuck, right? <laughs> Yeah. So the women who survived years of sexual abuse at his hands have stated this is not enough. Like he abused victims for way longer than he is um, sentenced for. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so Sochil Martin, who was abused by Nason as well and has her own lawsuit, she was like, this is a slap in the face to all the survivors. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and a little more on Sochil Martin, and this is going to be very brief because her story involving this, all of this is like a lot. So I cut it down to as short as possible because we're, we're already going very long here. So <laughs> she alleges that she was first abused by Samuel Joaquin, Nason Joaquin's father, at age nine in 1995. In 2007, she was abused by Nason Joaquin, which led to a hospitalization oh God. it must have been really bad yeah she was forced to marry and move to ensenada california in 2011 and then forced to return to guadalajara in 2015 by nason joaquin she was then beaten for refusing to abuse a child she stopped attending oh services God. in 2016 and the lldm tried to buy her silence after that when nason was arrested his PIs, private investigators, broke into her home. Uh, LLDM lawyers stalked her and intimidated her. She then got into a witness protection program, and LLDM enforcers still managed to track her down. Wow. Mm -hmm. And during 2000 and 2016, so those 16 years, she was abused and trafficked to and from Mexico by Nason Joaquin. And she was used oh for God. money laundering. Wow. Mm-hmm. When Nason Joaquin was arrested, the LLDM began telling members that everything was a lie or it was a test from God. It was to weed out ridiculous. the uh -huh, to weed out the false believers from the two true believers, uh, because naturally people began to doubt their fate. So people that were starting to doubt the religion, they were not true believers. Uh, yeah. They were told not to search or read anything about the trial. And um of course, some people did. This led to a lot of people leaving the church. Those who left were excommunicated. Uh, members that stayed, they were told to pray 24 hours straight for Nason Joaquin when he was arrested. Oh, my God. And the um, TikTok that I mentioned earlier, um, she says that her sister was setting her video so she could wake up, you know, from being in this cult. Her sister had left and she stopped talking to her sister 
over this um, because she didn't want to believe any of it. She didn't watch any of the videos until one day she she was starting to have doubts, too, because they would receive like official statements from the church telling them different things. And she finally watched one of the videos. And in one of the videos, it's going over um, the testimony from uh, them, like trying to say uh, Nason's lawyer is basically trying to say like this girl, this underage girl consented to being abused. And that's what the clip that she was talking about is. Oh, my God. Which obviously mm-hmm. that's not a thing. It's not even a it's not even a good argument because underage children cannot consent. Exactly. I guess underage children is like a it's like a what is that term? Um, um yes, I know what you're saying. Like you can just say children because they are underage. Mute. It's moot. Moot. Not mute. Yeah. Moot. <laughs> redundant. Yeah, redundant. Yeah. Uh so so when she watched that clip, that's when she finally was like, Oh my god, this is a cult. This is all well, lies. That's why cults try to control what um who cult members talk to and what they can what media they consume yeah um so that they can keep them quote brainwashed mm-hmm. and another video that i watched in an interview and i'll post the links to these interviews in the show notes but another member he's talking with a youtube channel called my spiritual life and he is sharing his story about when he realized it was a cult, and he read the the same uh claim Complaints. Oh my god! Why? Why do I claim is like insurance? Complaint is like what the the DAs or whoever. Yes. Um. I guess general attorneys when it's federal. I'm not sure if it's still DAs. I don't know that, but they file complaints. This is DAs because this is in California. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So he was a member in Houston, and they were all being told the same thing, like you know this is all a lie. This is a test from God, Mm -hmm. and he his parents went out to like do something and he had to stay because he was a college student and so he mm. was allowed to miss some services to go to class right and so one of the times that his parents left to go to church during when everything was going on he stayed home mm. and he was like you know what i'm gonna look this up and he read the uh 26 page complaint and he was disgusted this is when he left the church and a lot of people wow. left in the same time period but even even to this day, when, when he was arrested, they put out a statement saying, like, he's innocent. We will stand by our leader, even though he's pled guilty, essentially admitting to the things he's done. The church yeah. put out a statement saying, like, we are still behind him. That it's a lie. It's all a lie. Yeah. And and um, very Warren Jeffs. And, you know, Warren Jeffs is still leading are you the serious? Yes, um, from church. Yeah. Wow, from jail. I mean, from church. <laughs> <laughs> from jail. Yeah. Well, and that's what's going on <laughs> here. Prison. Yeah. Um. And so, like, some people have left, but some people are just not gonna leave at this point. Yeah. I mean, power. You know, to the people that woke up and saw the reality and and left yeah and on on this girl's tiktok and on the video i mentioned from my spiritual life there's some comments that are like attacking them and uh, these are presumably church members current church members still defending the uh, the church and yeah um but yeah that is that is what i have on this uh cult truly horrendous stuff and you know i think i think the reason a lot of cults have like a religious background to it is because religion is kind of like a little bit culty already and so it's easy to exploit right yes yeah 
Because, yeah, so many of them. I don't... Yeah. Is there any cult that's not... Doesn't have a religious aspect to it? Mm, I don't know. I mean, maybe. But they make... They just make up their own religion, like Scientology. True. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, on her TikTok, a lot of people were like, my parents are in this cult. My aunt is in this cult. Oh, that was another thing I was going to mention. Or that... A thought that popped in my head that I'm like... You know, adults that join cults or whatever, right? It's sort of their choice, even if they're exploited and manipulated into it. But children that are born into this and then raised this way, that's against their choice, you know? Yeah. And that's not cool. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I I would say that's that. abuse itself. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to, in the show notes, I'm going to include, like, the link to... um the subreddit for people that have left this church they've created a a subreddit for it a community for anyone like seeking help you know and just some resources like maybe an article on like how to talk to people that are still in this cult without what's it called like alienating them yeah without making them like stop talking to you because you're telling them like this is a cult right yeah yeah Cause there's, there's articles on it. I don't remember any of it, but like, there's certain ways that you need to like talk to someone that's been like, you know, essentially brainwashed into a cult. And the longer someone's been in it, uh, I mean, the harder it is at this point in time, since since it's was in 1926, there's at least what, like three generations of of families you could say probably at the very least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say, like, I'm not religious myself, and I do believe that a lot of religion is, like, a little too about much, control. you know, a little too much about control and fear for me. Uh, so I, I don't believe in it, especially organized religion. And this isn't to, like, attack, you know, a specific religion and say, oh, you're all, you're all brainwashed. No, you can have your beliefs, but obviously they can become problematic, in, like, in this case. Yeah. But yeah, that is a, that is a good note to end the episode on. I'm not gonna. I don't have any spooky recommendations because all I've been watching was the the <laughs> Under the Banner of Heaven. And yeah, after I got done watching that, I listened to the audiobook, so I also don't have anything spooky. Although it's spooky, <laughs> it's a different kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess if and I already recommended the the two things that I had been watching. Well, let me recommend the book. Oh, okay, because... okay, yeah. <laughs> The show was interesting and it was good, but the book has so much more detail about the um, fundamentalists because FLDS and Jeff Warren is like, well, this is it's a separate thing, but it's like its own branch of fundamentalist Mormons. And then the Lafferty's were into a, into fundamentalist Mormons, but it was like a different group. And there's just, it's, there's so much background about um, how um, Mormonism was created more history because they did show a lot about joseph smith and then yeah what's the guy after that uh something yeah i forgot <laughs> his name <laughs> yeah i want to say byron but i know that's wrong i cannot not remember <laughs> brigham 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 yeah um it talks about them and even more like about the structure of um mormonism and how it, it branched off and when people decided to you know pursue create fundamentalist religions because you know it, it it stemmed from the mormons um finally given into like mainstream 
government. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. When um, polygamy was outlawed. Um, so it talks so much about that. It talks more about if, um, fundamentalist sex, like from different places. And that's how I learned about the one in Mexico oh. um, in the colonies that um, which, were which is, created. Oh, okay. What are they called? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember right now okay. off the top of my head, but I'm, that's what I'm researching for um, our other For Historias podcast. Unknown? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, if cults are something that you uh, like to read about and be mad about, because I wouldn't say it's enjoyable. <laughs> Fascinating, yes. You want to be angry about <laughs> things. <laughs> Yes, watch that. Yeah, yeah. Listen to that. Yeah, and and if you um if you enjoy the two listening to the two of us, you can check out Historias Unknown and our currently on break podcast, <laughs> Novelas con Cafecito. Um, yeah, on hiatus. Yes, on on hiatus. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Carmen, for filling in. As always, you are my uh my savior. <laughs> Pray to me. Bow down to me. Mm. <laughs> pay me tithing <laughs> <laughs> celebrate my birthday <laughs> our, our birthday rude we share it anyway stay a spooky and we will catch everyone next time bye, bye. thank you so much for our spooky supporting us on patreon Melida, Janie Michelle Monica, Winston Modesto Cynthia, Perla, Yesenia, Kristen, Dalia, Mariela, Rene, Ghost Train, Iris, and Madtown Charity. Spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, produced and edited by Christina. If you're looking for more ways to support the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash spookytales. You'll get access to bonus episodes, exclusive stickers, and merch and special thank yous. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash tales. And you can also buy some merch. Go to spookytales.com slash store and you can see new shirts, hats, and I'm always making new designs to add to the store. And the best way to support, of course, is to just listen to the episodes and tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening. Stay as spooky.